0: I'm Ed, and I'm Bill. We want to welcome you to the few. Are you one of the few? Oh, are you a podcast for faith empowered workplace leaders?
1: Bill, how you doing? Doing well. We're kind of at a good place in life right now. We've had a lot of good things happen recently. My oldest son, fourth of five children, was married Memorial Day, and then just two days ago I had we welcomed our fifth grandchild into the world so awesome
0: been pretty pretty good run yeah yeah that's great that's great well I'm coming off of a week in Canada fishing so um which started out to be a horrible week and ended up being a great week so keeps you going back I guess so fishing's never horrible yeah yeah any it's better sometimes than it is other times it is nice to catch fish it is nice to catch fish if you're fishing so um so I'm getting back in the swing of things at work and uh, excited to to be doing that, but also very excited to get to take a week off and go spend time with some friends and my dad. And uh, 28 years we've been going up there fishing. So wow. um, Every week, as Bill and I do this podcast, one of the things we want to do is share with you what we are calling front porch wisdom. And we live in an area where people still have front porches, And they actually still sit on those front porches every now and then. Um, Not too many years ago, I read an article about the migration of the American family from the front porch to the back porch, that people would rather isolate themselves in the backyard. But we still live in an area where people sit on the front porch, which means they wave at people who drive down the street or walk down the street. Every now and then, you'll get a neighbor that will walk up on the porch and sit down and share a little bit of wisdom with you. So every week we want to share what we're calling front porch wisdom, which may be from something we've read, maybe from a conversation we've had with somebody else, but just a little wisdom that we found interesting that we want to share with you all. So it's time for a little front porch wisdom.
1: My, uh, the, probably the best connection I have to this as we get started is, um, the introduction I received from a new neighbor in uh, late December we were moving into a new house in a new neighborhood and um, first load of furniture was coming out of the truck and we were standing there on the porch me and some other guys that were helping me move and my 80 year old neighbor walks over my new neighbor she walks over and with her hands on her hips she says one of you must be my new neighbor (laughs) and and that was really the beginning of a wonderful relationship and she um, was a front porch person she sat on her front porch every evening she had the old uh, aluminum awnings that shaded the front you know so even though the sun would set uh, her house faced the west her sun would set she was still shaded and she was out there every evening and and it was hard to be outside without having a conversation with her and the front porch wisdom that I would share was just the blessing that it was to live next door to someone who taught me what it meant to really be a neighbor again. Right. And, and, you know, I didn't know her at all until we moved there. And, and three years later, when she uh, left to live closer to, to family, uh, we had a wonderful relationship. Um, didn't really have to knock to go in the door, right. you know. Uh, and And it was all because she... Even though, with my background, I should know to be a good neighbor, um, mm-hmm. she taught me what it really was like, what right. it looked like, and she she stepped out of off out of her yard uh, uh-huh. to to meet me and to welcome us and in a whole variety of ways. I mean, that first day, she brought those of us who were working a big plate of homemade cookies. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> she was the welcome wagon. What
0: neighbors used to do. Yeah. Uh, so
1: f- be a good neighbor. That that's my front porch wisdom. Right.
0: Awesome. That's great. Well, mine comes more from some reading that I've been doing. I ran across a quote from Jonathan Edwards uh, uh, in the past week reading. And I don't have the quote right in front of me. We're not organized enough yet to have that stuff ready. But um, basically what he's talking about is the fact that there's a big difference between understanding what honey is and tasting how sweet it is. And he relates that to enjoying the righteousness of God in your life. And and I thought a lot about that in the last week that, you know, what a difference it makes no matter what we're doing or where we're at um, to be able to experience God rather than just know about God. Mm-hmm. And and I think in what we're doing in this podcast, you know, what we really want to do is engage not only pastors in churches who are leaders every day, but, but people who are Christians who are leaders in the business world or the nonprofit world or even government or wherever they're at. That want to lead from a, a faith empowered you know position that want to honor their Christian core values and, and and really that's what we want we want people who you know really are experiencing God on a daily basis in the workplace or in the church or wherever they find themselves and so hopefully in some way what we're doing you know will uh, we'll be and, relevant
1: and I think and we want to help people learn to experience God in the workplace too yes. I mean yes because I think. A lot of times we get so we get our heads down on our work so much, and we, we don't have our eyes open to see where God's at work around us, as you know Blackaby would talk about in the Experiencing God series right. that he wrote. But um, you know we want to help people see God in the workplace um, exactly as well, not just uh, um, as you said, you know, mm-hmm. to experience
0: and as leaders it's our responsibility to try to help people see that in us yeah so all right well we're going to jump right into episode one so the topic today we want to start off and for those of you who are listening to the first episode just explain a little bit of why bill and i feel called to to share this podcast and it really comes out of a sense of of wanting to well, if you look in the church, you know, in the church world, most people have had some sort of leadership training, or at least some have. And the leadership training usually is focused on how you can lead within the church. Mm-hmm. You know, if you find yourself, uh, no matter what tradition you come from, you know, find yourself in some sort of leadership in the church at some point. Hopefully, you've had some sort of training, and, and you most definitely. Most everybody has had some sort of discipleship training, um, spiritual development training, those kinds of things. And and then if you happen to be that Christian that attends church and you find yourself in a place in the workplace where you're a leader, um, you probably had some leadership training there. And what we're trying to do really is to bring those two things together. There are a lot of people out there that are writing books and doing podcasts and talking about leadership in general, there are a lot of people talking about faith in the workplace. What we want to do is bring those two things together and kind of hit that niche of those of you out there who are leaders in the workplace but are serious about your faith. And how is it that you can live that out on a regular basis? Um, You got anything to add to that?
1: Well, and two, it's not just uh, that angle. It's coming back at it from the other side. Whereas we, I mean, i I'm am I'm a pastor serving in a local church, and um, I came to that profession, that calling, having left the secular world in a somewhat of a leadership position there. And there are a lot of things that those of us in the church world can learn from the business sector right. on, on leadership that applies in to the church in ways it doesn't compromise biblical godly values exactly. uh, and so so that's kind of the angle that i come at it from sure. you know uh, you know you went one direction i went another in terms of career paths right. uh, but both called to do what we're doing right so
0: it'd probably be interesting for people who are listening to um explain a little bit about how our paths yeah, have brought us to where we're at um if you want to start a little bit about your journey yeah
1: i uh, really wasn't raised in a christian home uh I think we all started going to church when I was in eighth grade and uh, from that point on you know my whole family came to faith in Christ and as a, a 19 year old or so I wrestled with the call to ministry but um, ended up uh, going finishing my degree and teaching high school chemistry and physics for a, a year and um while I was working, serving Bible occasionally in the church, I uh, transitioned from teaching high school chemistry and physics to working in the chemical industry, uh, where I became a, a process chemist, which meant that I worked in an environment where I was in charge of a process, and I was the author of all the recipes that the operators followed, but I had no direct authority over the guys who were following the recipes that I gave. Um, and so i was I was in charge, but it was indirect authority. Um, and I had a lot of leadership training there that was good, and all the while I was working there, I was also serving bivocationally in the church, and the longer that I did that, the more it seemed that God put me here to focus on something other than chemistry and
0: working in the chemical industry. and we know for all those out there. You heard that word by vocational that really means you have two full-time jobs yeah
1: exactly <laughs> and so uh, so finally uh, I made the transition when I was about 30 years of age I left the chemical industry and uh, went to a rural church in southern West Virginia to serve as the pastor and uh, was been quite an adventure it's been 22 years now uh, that I've been serving the local church and and as part of that um, my second pastorate was an associate pastor at South Parkersburg Baptist and that's where Ed and I uh, crossed paths. Ed was the senior pastor and I came to work on his staff and and then I served there for about eight years and then left uh, South Parkersburg Baptist Church to to move to be the senior pastor at Vienna Baptist Church where I uh, currently serve.
0: That's so. right yeah my path is is kind of just almost exactly opposite Um, where Bill worked in the secular world and and was called into the church world. I I grew up in a Christian home and was active in youth work and and within our denomination, even statewide youth work. Um, Went to one of our Christian colleges and went to seminary and and, uh, worked in the church world as an associate pastor and then a lead pastor and spent 26 years in the same congregation. Um, five years ago, felt a call to leave the congregation and move into the position I'm in now uh, as a CEO of a physical therapy company, and basically because the owner was a Christian and wanted to run an experiment, for lack of a better way to explain it, of trying to really maintain and develop even more Christian core values within the company to try to honor God in the way we treat our patients, the way uh, we treat each other in the business, and our presence in the community to be a real witness for Christ, and so, um, so we both have had some experience outside of the church, um, trying to live out our faith there, and also within the church, and and I think uh, you know, Bill, what you said earlier is really important for for people to understand is that what we're trying to do is is to build a community of maybe pastors and business leaders that can learn from one another. Um, if you picked up a book on leadership in the last 20 years, you probably have had the experience, if it was written from a business point of view, of going, wow, this is these are biblical principles. People yeah. talk about trust. Yeah. You know, people talk about valuing other folks. Um, all these things are core values that really are faith-based core values. And so, so if we have listeners out there who are really serious about their faith and they want to live that out in their leadership in the workplace, that's who we're – Who we're targeting, but there may be people out there who aren't people of faith; they're not Christians. Um, These concepts work, you know. They're they're just ways that work. People value uh, folks who value them, and really, that's what it kind of boils down to. So, so as we begin, um, I want to. I was reading an article written written by a lady by the name of Rachel Premack, and she's a, a writer for Business Insider, and she has this quote. She says. Most Americans spend ninety thousand hours of of their life at work, and eighty seven percent of those experience no passion for their job. And that's coming from again a, a secular point of view. Um, tell me a little bit about um, Bill, if you what you've experienced as you minister to people in the church, and many of those are leaders in the business world. Do you get a sense that that probably is true of the people you know and have. Run across
1: certainly. Um, I can't say that the average individual that I engage at the church, who is working at a profession other than one in ministry, is passionate about what they do and they're excited about going to work each day. It doesn't. That's not. That would be atypical to encounter somebody like right. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I do believe that when. In the church, we speak about being called to something. I don't think being called is limited to, you know, a religious position or a a position in the church. I think we're called to all walks of life. And there are people whom God has called and gifted to serve in insurance and in medicine and industry and in in the plumbers and pipe fitters union. I believe that we're called uh, to where uh, we serve. And the sad reality is that too many of us miss that. And um, and the, the and it's often true that, you know, colleagues in the church where you would expect if if I've got this calling, you know, yeah. if I've got this calling, I'm passionate about doing what God put me here to do to help God's people. And even in the church there are a lot of colleagues in ministry who struggle with that. Mm-hmm you know and and having that sense of purpose uh losing sight of of all that and it's it's unfortunate and and all of us are susceptible to it you know and i would like to help my colleagues my peers and 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 then help myself grow in ways that i don't find myself looking for the door right you know i want to maintain that passion and and i've had the privilege of some mentors who lived that way, you know, uh, who modeled a passion for what they did until they passed on, you know, and that's the kind of
0: guy I want to be. Sure, sure. Well, you went exactly where I went when I read this, um, was that this is no different amongst my pastor friends. Um, I'm I'm not sure what the percentage would be, but a great percentage of those aren't really passionate about what they're doing either. Um, and, And so it really begs the question, what's lacking, you know, if, and and I certainly agree with you a hundred percent that a calling is not just to a vocational call in the church, that, that every calling is where does God want you to be? And what does he want you to do at that juncture in your life? And so, you know, if the calling is, is the same and it's different as far as the role is concerned, but if it's equal, um, as far as it's a call from God to do something that honors and glorifies him, then where's the problem? you know yeah. wh- why is the passion lacking and why is you know why are people not only dispassionate but frankly quite bored sometimes just with what they're doing and and going through the motions do you have any insight on what you know why do you think why do you think that's la- that's lacking in folks
1: well if i had some really good insights i'd probably be very wealthy right now <laughs> because it would impact so many people right. it would help so many people but um, sometimes I think we lose, I think it's a matter of perspective. Uh, we get so caught up in the day-to-day that we lose sight of those things that are most important and, and where we find passion. Um, I think we look at, you know, have an eternal perspective as opposed to a temporal one. When you think, you know, if, from a Christian perspective, we look at it as the passage that says storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven Um, a lot of times we are so caught up in storing up treasures at people's bank that we get lost or or the need to do that not just to get rich but just the need to do that that we lose sight of a more eternal perspective and i think if we can discipline ourselves to think about the fact that there's more to this life than than the the physical world that we see that's that's a, a key part um but a lot of it, I think, revolves around remembering why I'm here. Yeah. And, you know, what is, you know, do I really have a purpose? Does my life really have meaning? Well, yes, it does right. from a biblical Christian perspective, my, I'm here to glorify God and enjoy him forever, right. you know right. and um, and if I keep that, I think in the in the front view instead of the rear view, right. I think it helps maintain that passion and and redirect and when you get into the mundane you know even right. in the mundane you can find something that that motivates you
0: right it, maybe it sounds like um i think we're on the same page here but it sounds like maybe the word we're looking for is purpose yeah Like you use the word why you know why we do what we do and and i think that probably is what is in our hearts and our minds as we're trying to trying to you know do what we're doing here through the Renew Transformational Strategies that is the the ministry basically that we work out of to try to resource and equip people to integrate this faith with their workplace leadership but but I think really it is if we could get an understanding or or a practical way of living in such a way that when we go to work every day um, because I think, and and tell me if you agree or disagree, but I think probably when we're sitting in church on Sunday morning, we're listening to the pastor deliver the sermon, we're worshiping the Lord. We probably have a sense of there is a greater purpose in life that we do know that you know our purpose is to honor God, you know, and to glorify Him, and and yet when we go to work, I'm not sure that we remember that that's still our purpose, and and if we could somehow, I think. I mean there's there's volumes of things written out there from the secular world and the church world on if you want to be passionate about what you're doing you know you need to have a clear vision that's motivated by a well understood purpose um, and, and and yet we have that right I mean as Christians we have yeah, that automatically we have it and and yet when we go to work I think we forget that you know God has placed us here As leaders to impact people. Now, bottom line is, you know, I'm in the physical therapy world. You know, we have to see so many patients, and we have to build so many units, and we have to do those things of what, you know, paying the rent, if you will. We have to stay in business, or we can't affect or impact anybody. But the the bigger overarching thing is, you know, what is our purpose? Why are we here today? I think if we tapped into that and remembered that and were able to really practically live that, it might change that boredom and that, you know, that kind of going through the motions into a realization that I have a purpose here today and the people that are going to come into my office or the people I'm going to encounter in what I do today at the plant or in the school system, um, God has put them in my path for a purpose And the way I interact with them, the ethics that I use, the language that I use, um, the way I feel about them, think about them, see them, um, value them or don't value them, all of that should be impacted by my purpose of glorifying God today.
1: You know, I had um, a memory just came when I was uh, serving as a chemist. Um, I remember I realized that some of the ideas that I had, if we if they were going to go over well, the operators that I was working with had to be convinced that it was worth them putting in the extra effort to do these things. Right. Um, when they weren't, there wasn't really any payback for them other than great job, and you know it's going to help the company do better in terms of making better quality product and could make more money, that kind of thing. Um, but I remember. Um, going through that and uh, and when when I was making the that transition what I realized I I worked for a superintendent a a guy who who realized that the most valuable resource that he had in that department were the people that were operating it right and and so we really worked to to um, get past the old way of thinking where the operators thought that all these young gun chemists and engineers they were just looking to steal ideas from them so they could get credit Mm -hmm. and transition that to we are a team and when we we work together we have a success we're going to celebrate it as a team the team will get credit and it's not any one guy and we went through that and and that department made some dramatic improvements in a short period of time that was that was made known company-wide, and this was a global company, you know, and um, it was pretty phenomenal what we saw happen, but it all boiled down to a a leader who was committed to valuing the most important asset he had, and that was the people that were there, you know, and really, I think, at at the root of it, that was there, And, and, and the cool thing about all that is that, as a person of faith in the workplace, that was what... I mean that's where I was trained to, to, to value the most, sure. and so through the relationships that we developed and built, we were able to have a great work environment in a secular setting, on what really are biblical, godly principles right. in the way you treat people and value others, um, and and deal with others, that you know wouldn't be celebrated as this is right christian management but really in many ways it was the way he right. did it
0: exactly and, and i think that's probably important as well for us you know we don't we don't claim to have a corner you know christians aren't the only people that value others and they're mm-hmm. not the only people that treat others right and they're that's not right. the only people that's that true. that lead well however if you if you are a christian you know you have i mean that's part of your life that's part of you that should be part of your core values every day in your family you know, in your community, with your church. And, and so carry that into work. And, and you know, I've not run across anybody yet. Now, not everybody responds by being the best employee in the world, but I've not run across anyone yet who doesn't want to be valued, who doesn't want to be appreciated, who, who quite frankly, if we would just want to be very biblical about it, who doesn't want people to love them. And, you know, and as Christians called to love God and love others, you know, that that's, that should be happening every day in our workplace. Uh, And and that's awkward, I think, for a lot of people, probably a lot of people who are listening to us talk today. You know, thinking, man, these guys are nuts. I'm not going to go to work and love those people <laughs> I work with. You know, um, but the fact is, it's That all- might be the last thing I think of doing. In some cases, <laughs> exactly. You know, we,
1: we, we <laughs> exactly.
0: But the fact is, is it's awkward for us too. You know, yeah. and, and loving people is awkward sometimes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and you know, we're not talking about. Matter of fact, one of our podcasts coming up is probably going to deal with the fact that Christian leaders aren't pushovers. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. But we're talking about that—that that love that I think really at, at, at the at the bottom of line or the foundation of what it is. It is to see others the way God sees them. Mm-hmm. They're valuable people, no matter where they've been, what they've done. They're good employees, bad employees. You have to deal right. with them differently, but you value them, and that you know that basically mo- motivates you and inspires you to do certain things. Um, because of your value, uh, yeah. because of the way you value them, rather. So, yeah. um, well, one of the things that Bill and I have talked a lot about as we prepared this first episode and thinking about the future is is you know we want to make every week when this is this podcast comes out, we want this to be something really relevant for leaders out there who are just listening to us discuss these things. But the topics are going to be very specific around. Um, how do you do this? you know? Um, how do you integrate your spirituality and your workplace leadership? I think probably everybody would agree, hey, that's a good idea, you know, but how do, how do you do it in in the real world, in real time? And so as we you know are kicking this off, maybe if we just kind of turn our our sights to that for a few minutes, um, is there anything you can share that that you would say, here are just some practical ways that you know, when you go to work, on Monday morning, or as a pastor, you know, you you go to work on Monday morning, and you're dealing with your congregation. Um, what are some things that are just very practical ways that that you can live out that faith as a leader?
1: Well, it's kind of interesting. One of the uh, more recent books that I read; it's been around a while. Was uh, I believe it was a Patrick Lencioni book? He talked about. The engagement and in getting employees to engage and right. and some of the things that have stuck with me about that are things that off and on I've practiced with people, but really wasn't intentional about it. And it's really changed the way for me. Like one of the things um, that is a job killer, one that creates job misery, is anonymity. If someone Comes to work and and feels like nobody there knows them, uh, nobody really cares about them as an individual person. Uh, that can create someone, help someone be miserable in their job. And right. the way to address that is to help them be known. Mm-hmm. Another way that people become miserable in work is they feel that their work is irrelevant. And so figuring out ways to help people see that their work is relevant. And then right. the other one is. Not knowing if they're doing a good job or not, immeasurability is the word that he uses in the book, which yeah. he said he acknowledges he kind of made that up. But right. but yeah, right. um, you know, giving some someone a measuring stick so that they know if you do these things, you're doing a good job, and you know you can find um, encouragement in that. And I've been trying to practice those things recently with our staff and. Um, and not in a manipulative way but right. just to know i mean uh, i want uh the people who i work with to know that i do care about them right. as people and um i want them to know to be able to know when they're doing a good job right you know right um and in the past i've struggled a little bit with that because holding people accountable let's say can can be uncomfortable at times and hard right for certain leaders and I'm one of those that I don't like confrontation very much when I know it needs to happen I'll do it but but and a lot of times if we're if we're setting specific goals and goals aren't meant then you know conversation has to happen right right. but when you look at it from the standpoint of giving someone a measurable goal helps them you know Mm -hmm. get some job satisfaction because they if they they can see that measurable if I'm if I'm talking to this many people a week who are involved in the ministry that I'm in and asking specific questions, mm-hmm. um, then I know I'm on track with right. my boss and I'm going to be doing my job well. Right. Um, I had a conversation with a a, a custodian recently um, at our church just thanking her for what she did and helping her understand how important, what a blessing it is to have, you know, a clean facility that when people yeah. come in, they don't see stuff that makes them think, I'm not sure I want to leave my kid here. Right, right. Um, and how critical that is, and to, to address the issue of relevance in that. And and just, you know, I, I learned that from a secular book. You know, sure. that, that's not a church book, but it's all about treating people, you know, with respect, right. and I think, and, and growing them as uh, individuals and leaders. And right. I think that, for, from a leader perspective, those were things that I think a good leader practices in, you know, I don't want to say innately, but but they do them, but but to be disciplined about doing that is one thing right. that I would well, say. Well, I
0: think the word that runs across my mind, and this is what I think about a lot, and it's something I have to remind, <clears throat> remind myself of every day in my current position, is intentional. Yeah, you know, um, I think all of us, you know, in, in my particular situation, uh, we have to watch metrics. You know, we have to watch a lot of numbers. Um, it's very easy for me. To to sit down at my computer and look at spreadsheets and analyze and talk to people about the numbers and the and church is driven the same it, way it is you know um, probably unfortunately behind sometimes.
1: baptisms and budgets right, exactly, <laughs> the three Bs of, of a exactly. Baptist church <laughs> exactly exactly
0: right <laughs> and, and you know and when you think about it, you I don't know if everyone else has this experience but for me. It's kind of like my own spiritual development of Bible reading or prayer. You know, you kind of wake up one day and realize that for the last two weeks, you haven't done anything except looked at numbers. Like you wake up and realize I haven't prayed and done my Bible reading, you know, for two or three days. Um, And so I try to intentionally build in every day those encounters with people that work in the company Mm -hmm. that, that I work with. And then intentionally, you know, I think what you're talking about with the custodian, is just what we've been discussing. You know, she probably, well, she or he, I'm not sure she. who she was, She she probably walked away feeling valued and feeling like her job had mm-hmm. a purpose. What she was doing was not just cleaning floors, but she was preparing a facility for worship and other activities, mm-hmm. and that she was a big part of them being comfortable in that atmosphere and that sort of thing. Right. And so I think that intentional, that word intentional is big. Is that for most of us, we live in worlds that are very busy. We work a lot of hours, and if we're not careful, um, we we don't we don't do the people thing like right. we should. You know? And
1: I think another keyword is authenticity, right? Because it, it you can very easily transition from doing it for the right reasons to being manipulative, mm-hmm. and I think. And people can read that in you. Sure, you know sure. it might take them a little while, but if you if your concern for them isn't genuine, um, it'll be evident. Yeah. and and then it'll it'll be have the opposite effect that you would want it to have on right. those
0: that you're trying right. to. Help. But but isn't that where we have a leg up on the rest of the world as Christians? We should. I mean, you know, in the business world, if you buy into all these concepts, but you really don't care about people you can fake it and sometimes you can get away with it but for us you know as christians that should be who we are it should be and so if we're talking about integrating our spiritual development with our workplace leadership the foundation is who we are spiritually in christ yeah, absolutely and if he has really changed us and we genuinely love him and love others then it should be authentic you know and yeah. and if it's not then we need to be working on the spiritual development yeah, side. You get on your leadership. Exactly, <laughs> that's exactly right. So, well, that's good. I hope that um, you know. I hope that uh, people out there have some of the same experiences we're having, and mm-hmm. and uh, and maybe just thinking about you know every day in your prayer time before you start your work day. You know, um, I, I did a blog last week. If you want to check that blog out, by the way, it's yeah. on RenewTS.com. And you know, I can put notes in our show notes for 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 this podcast today, where you can link to that. But I was discussing, you know, just just basically having two questions every day, and the, and the first one, your prayer time is, is you know, God, who do you want me to impact today? Mm-hmm. And then the second is, God, how do you want me to impact them? Yeah. You know, and that really are just two questions to make it intentional. That when I go to work, I'm going to look for the opportunities that God's going to place in front of me to influence, impact, love other people today and then seek his wisdom on what I need to say and how I need to influence them and impact them. So,
1: And I think being intentional like that's the only way uh, we can ever really be begin to be passionate again. Right. You know, um, One of the ways in, in counseling couples... To who maybe might be struggling in their marriage and, and don't feel like they love any, each other anymore, one of the ways that you help couples learn to love each other again is to do the things that they did when they were sure that they right. loved each other. Exactly. you know so be intentional about that, even though it might not seem as romantic you intentionally schedule those things and I think um, and in so doing they restore passion. and I think the same is true when it comes to us as leaders if we can become intentional about those things. Uh, and form those good habits the passion can be yeah. restored as we see the benefit of those things exactly yeah.
0: well and there's a side to this and you know i think probably i've struggled with this always you know we don't want to you know we, the the worst thing for any of us is to be selfish in what we do mm-hmm. but there is a personal part of this that it is incredibly rewarding to know that you've made a difference in someone's life yeah. you know and had a conversation Yesterday, with with a, a mentor of mine, who is about twenty years older than me, and I've he was my pastor growing up and has walked alongside of me for a long, long time. And I was telling him that you know I just reached a point in ministry where uh, how many people were coming to church, the ministries we were doing, it was good stuff, but it wasn't important to me, uh, you know, as as I was winding mm-hmm. down as pastor yeah. of the church. And it's not as important to me here, you know, that the thing that turns my crank is to invest in other people and see that they're different because of it and see their successes, see how they're impacted and changed. And I know you and I have had that conversation as you... Bill and I both are are in our early fifties. We'll let that out there right now. <laughs> you know, as you've reached this age, that's important to you. Yep. I know. You know, you had a conversation with another pastor recently who was explaining that that's the reason he's staying at the church he's at now is yep. just investing in people, um, and, and and probably that's why we're sitting here doing this podcast is yeah. because you know we just want to want to invest in leaders and and in some way. In our little corner of the world you know yeah. make them more successful not as the world necessarily um defines success but as god defines success right. and that's you know when we were having this conversation yesterday that mentor of mine said to me he said well it's because you realize that's the only way it's the only thing that really lasts you know and i thought well that's an interesting it's an interesting it's too eternal perspective yeah, yeah. yeah. it's uh that's a legacy. Yep. You know, when people are out there doing things for God the right way and they're leading in ways that honor him and change people and impact people in positive ways, and that goes on and on and on. Yep. You know? and, uh, and that's exciting. Uh, so yep. I think that's Indeed. probably what we're about. So, so any other practical insights <laughs> you can think of? We'll probably start winding this down. No,
1: you know, I, I it's kind of humbling to think, I don't want to ever come across as one who f- thinks he's cornered the market and has got it figured out. Right? Uh, because I am a leader who's still learning to lead sure. and and to practice the things that I need to practice. Yeah. And
0: um, yeah. we are not experts. No. So if no. you're listening, wanting a leadership expert, tune in somewhere else. We're having conversations about how. What we've learned and what we still need to learn, and right. hoping that you all out right. there will engage in social media and different places to help us answer some questions we have yeah. so.
1: so so yeah, I don't want to ever come across as um, a guy who's figured it out because you come to the church that I serve and um, ask a few people, and you'll find that I have my share of shortcomings um, right. but I'm learning, you know we're we're learning together, and I will say that I've had the blessing of some good mentors and, and co-workers over the years from whom I've learned quite a bit. And and I think it in some ways I feel like I've got a duty to share that in ways. You know, this this kind of thing is a little uncomfortable for me. Right. Well, for both of us. Yeah, it's a little uncomfortable for me. <laughs> yeah. But I, I feel I've been praying that God would help me figure out how to finish well. I mean, if you look at the sheer um, reality, we are in the final third of our lives. Right. And I don't want to sound morbid. But, you know, in looking at that, um, um, I want more than a Harley Davidson to drive, you know, to to deal with this midlife crisis. I want to finish well. I want um, J.I. Packer, which he wrote a book, just a little four-chapter booklet when he was 82 years of of age, entitled Finishing Our Course with Joy. And I read that a couple of years ago, and it just really changed me, really uh, lit a fire under me um, that, you know, I've got, uh, I'm, I'm, we're probably at that age where, like, if I wanted to, which I don't, if I wanted to go to a different church, you know, and serve a different church, I'm not, I'm, I'm at that age where I'm not an attractive hire anymore (laughs) because, because I'm not young, you know, all the churches want a, a, 38 year old pastor with 25 years right. of experience right. you know who's all excited and so and I've got white hair you know and <laughs> so nobody's gonna want to hire me anymore but so I, I wanted to I, I have some friends in ministry and in their profession who who are past this stage of life but they are just dynamic they're just as dynamic as they always were they're they're great leaders they're continuing to grow personally but they're also growing the 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 organizations and the ministries that they're leading and 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 that's the kind of leader I want to be that's what I'm working toward Um, and I want to help encourage others in that way Um, and so if this can be some of that or do something in that regard then then it'll be a good thing and I'm glad to be a part of it
0: absolutely absolutely I echo all of those as well, even being old and gray and all this stuff. So. Well, you're not as gray as I am. Well, I mean. it's true, but, but you know, um, better jeans when yeah, it comes yeah. to hair colors. So. It didn't turn
1: loose, but it sure did turn white on my head, I'll tell you that. Uh,
0: well, I think that's probably uh, enough for this week. Um, you know, we're we're brand new at this, but you can find us on all the, the podcast directories, um, on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and all those places. And uh, we do have a dedicated website for this, this, this uh, podcast called fewleaders.com, F-E-W, leaders.com. And uh, we're just trying to build this community. And we hope that you're one of the few, a faith-empowered workplace leader. And uh, if you want to check us out even more, when you go to that fewleaders.com, you'll be in the Renew Transformational Strategies website, which, again, is the ministry, quote, consulting business that this kind of comes out of. And uh, you can check out our weekly blog and uh, we'll put some, we've referred to several books here. We're both big Patrick Lencioni fans and we'll refer, we'll put those books uh, in the show notes. So if you want to take a look at those, you can. So, all right, well, until next time, we hope that uh, you're one of the few.
1: All right.